God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the, um, just the freedom to be able to come here and worship you, to encourage one another, to walk in fellowship. God, I ask that we walk out of here with greater hope today, greater peace. I pray that your words would pierce our heart, that we would walk out of here as transformed beings. God, I pray that you would send us on a new trajectory. Bring peace. God, give us eyes to see, feet that are willing to run, hearts that will melt before you. God, give us minds to comprehend your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You know, we're going to continue Jesus is, and this week, I guess it's kind of part two, Jesus is worth it. And I'm just challenged by that. Jesus is worth it. Like, so often we realize the fact that, that Jesus is worth it because he's worth it because he, is, he gives us a greater future than what the alternative is, right? Sometimes that's all that it comes down to, is for many of us, Jesus is simply fire insurance or just the better options. Remember last week, and I have to uh, do some clearing, so I'll put it on mute. All right. That would have been disgusting, you hearing that, right? Um, that's how much I care about you. Whatever, Mark. All right. So you remember last week, right? We, we had the world over here in, in the way that the world tells us to live. And then over here, we had God's perspective of how we should live. And I'm challenged by so often what we realize is that Christianity is more about fire insurance. That's all that he's worth to us is the simple fact of, God, do you get me to heaven? And not only do you get me to heaven, but I get to be with family and friends again. Our focus is more about being reunited with them rather than who he is. And the core focus shouldn't be about fire insurance, but it should simply be about a relationship with God. Is Jesus worth it? Is he the focus of it? Because so often what happens is if Jesus is worth it, if him alone, if the Godhead, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are worth it, if that's our focus of what's next, then our lives might align with that. If our focus is just maybe making it and just maybe being reunited with our friends and families, then our lives will show that as well. So that's just all over in this camp. If our lives are driven and Jesus is worth it, then each day I believe that our actions will show it. Now look, we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But why do we settle? You know, uh, for, for those who are athletes or those who are business people or those who have been successful at anything, what do you realize? You have to work hard to become a successful athlete. We just had the NFL draft. How many of those guys that were drafted made it there never working out a day in their life? How many of those guys made it there not working out four days a week? All the athletes are disciplined, likely in how they eat, how much they lift, and how much study they do. You don't make it to the elite level of athletics without the grind. What does our grind in here look like for Christ? Is our grind simply just showing up on natural ability and in our minds saying we love him? Or is Jesus being worth it to us really something that we live so if you were to get to know me at all, here, watch this. And you'll know I didn't even plan this experiment. What's my favorite restaurant? Why? 
because I talk about it every week. What college football team is horrible and do I not like? The team up north. That is right. Why do you know that? Because my life reveals it. I talk about it. I'm passionate about it. I like sports. What is your life revealing? What is your life revealing about who you are each day of the week? And I'm not even talking to the world. I'm just talking about between you and Christ. Does your relationship to Christ, does your surrender to Christ, does your heart say to him, I love you. I'm working for you. It's not about works, though, but I'm doing things for you. Because I dare to say this, this church, I'm dreaming of this church needing a renovation, a balcony, blowing out a wall. Not for the sake of excitement, not for the sake of more money, because actually, the bigger things get, the more challenging it becomes. Guess what that does? The, the bigger this church becomes, the more time it likes, likely takes away from me and Macy. And you don't mess with that time. You don't do that. But guess what? I want it to happen for God's glory, for soul saved. And there's people in our community today there's people in our community today that are probably praying pl prayers like this. God, if you're real and you want me to give, give my life to you, have someone say something to me. And us as the church, we're sitting there and we act like we don't know what to do. Well, in a couple weeks, um, we're going to talk about outreach, and I can't wait to talk about it. And one of the things that we're actually going to talk about is as Christians, there's a baseline. And you know what the baseline for us to do is? The Great Commission. When we gave our lives to Christ, it's the Great Commission. And this is where we start to ruffle feathers. Here's why. Man, I just want to sit in my corner. I want to go to work. I want to do my job. And then I want to read my Bible maybe once a month. And then after I do all of that... What I want to do is just be safe in a comfort zone with my family and do my life. And that's where I ask you the question, is Jesus worth it? Because I will tell you, you can't just live for yourself. Is Jesus, as we talked about last week, is Jesus worth the interactions with friends? Is Jesus worth losing friends over? Is Jesus worth reputations Lack of promotions. Is Jesus worth being the Jesus freak in your community? Is Jesus worth people looking at you sideways? Is he worth it? I want him to be. But why we're continuing this series is too often what we end up doing is we believe it in our head, we confess it with our mouth, and then we do nothing with it. You know I like Chipotle because there's evidence. There's fruit. You know I like the Buckeyes because there's evidence. There's fruit. Let's be people that run and chase after it. And why not become the church of crazy people? Right? Joey leads a church of crazy people. Why? Joey's crazy because he gave away every penny that he had to insert this person in Mechanicsburg. He's crazy. Or that worship leader from Urbana came here and he was walking the streets and praying for people. And he did it every week. He's crazy. Or you know what? Someone bought a brand new car for this person. Or someone paid the dental bill. Or someone buys groceries every single week. Or this person from Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship is so crazy that they were willing to sit on the phone for five hours every day with me when I was depressed and lonely. 
This person preached the gospel to me. This person pierced me with God's, uh, God's word. What is your heart? What are your actions doing? We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind that our focus is no longer just about us. But it's about increasing the kingdom. Increasing the kingdom. As I shared um, last week, a part of the autopsy of a dying church is when everything becomes about yourself. When you think about yourself first. Is Jesus worth laying down your life for others? That hurts, doesn't it? It hurts to think that, didn't I earn this? Don't I deserve this? How about this one? They're not even doing anything. And then you say, but God, what am I really even doing for you? Not much. But his grace is still sufficient in my life. So today... um, this message, as I've been thinking about it for the uh, past several weeks, and I just read it and read it and read it, one, one verse brings so much conviction to me, where uh, the most um, convicted I've ever been was in Matthew 7. This verse might be one of um, the second most convicted verse um, that I've read in my life. It doesn't mean it needs to be in your life, but one verse... um, But what I've realized, within the global church, there is such a grace movement, right? Now, we can't talk about how God is graceful. We understand that. I'm not saying he's not. But there's such a grace movement that I believe some souls who believe they are saved never make it because of the name of grace. They never really surrender their hearts to Christ. They simply personally justify their actions in the name of grace. Here's the thing. We understand that those outside of the church, even some within the church, think that Christianity is about becoming good enough or doing the right things. There's people in the church who still have that belief that it's about doing more. And you're saying, but Joey, weren't you just telling us to do more? I'm not telling you to do more. I'm saying, have more surrender. Have more um, submission. Many people say, if it's not broke, why fix it? This isn't about works. It isn't about being good. It's not about becoming perfect. But surrender and Jesus becoming precious to you. Is Jesus the apple of your eye? What do you think about in the morning when you wake up? The coffee, the dogs, the kids, the grandkids, the spouse, your job. What do you think about in the evening? And I feel like there used to be a jingle. What do you think about at supper time? What do you think about at supper time? What are your priorities revealing? See, when Macy and I first started the date, um, I wanted to see her every day. I think she probably wanted to see me every day too. Now, as for Doug, he's probably like, I don't know about this boy. (laughs) Macy, I don't want you seeing him every day. But guess what? We tried to see each other as often as we could. You want to know why? Um, I didn't do it out of desire to earn her love. I didn't want to see her so that I could prove that I was good Um, or even proving my worth. You want to know why I did it? Because I thought she was precious and I really wanted to be around her every single day. Is Jesus precious to you? See, what really challenges me is is when we talked about it last week, Christ says, look, 
I want you to love me so far above everything else in your life. I want there to be a distinction. And then I think of Macy, and I think of how precious Macy is to me, and I think of how much time I want to spend with Macy, and then I say, God, I fall so far short in the separation between you and Macy. And I'll be honest with you, God, sometimes it's Macy and then you. God wants to be so precious in our lives that everything else pales in comparison. Macy and God. And if you have a problem with his word, you talk to him about it. Now, does that mean that I don't love, support, defend, protect, honor, value, appreciate, encourage, intercede for Macy? No, it means I do all those things. But God is so precious to me that even my spouse pales in comparison. Is Christ precious to you? Is he? So today we're going to continue in 1 Peter. I wrestled through this all week. And undoubtedly so, it is a very strong word, but it's his word, so I don't need to um, hide behind it. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter 2, and we're going to look um, specifically today at just um, verse 7. One verse. Now you who believe, who's a believer in here? Raise your hand. Now you who believe... Um, now you who believe, now you, now you who believe, this stone is precious. Last week we understood that stone was who? Jesus, God. To you, this stone is precious. So we're starting to see that there's a distinction I believe we clearly see a difference between believers and unbelievers. For believers, this stone, Jesus, is going to be precious. It's going to be a precious stone. Simply put, Jesus is going to be precious to our hearts, to believers. So, if Jesus is king over your heart, I believe that the scriptures are saying he's going to be precious to you. That hurts because I know that some days, some days, he isn't. Some days he's just a thing. Some days he's just something that um, I don't have time for. But you know what? When times are really bad, I have time for him all the time. This scripture is not saying that there are only a few believers who really value Jesus as precious. It's not saying only a few believers can or will. It's saying, look, if you're a believer, Jesus is going to be precious to you. When I read that and when I've been reading that over the past several weeks, that convicts me. And I say, oh my goodness. To me, it seems almost as if this is a mandate. Jesus should be precious. Like when transformation comes in your life as a believer, Jesus should be considered in everything that you do. Is he worth that? Is Jesus so precious that you consider him in everything that you do? Is he worth it? If you are a believer, then Jesus is precious to you. And your actions reveal that. If Christ is just something that you do as a tradition... Or is he really the king of your heart? Is he something we just got used to it? 
We get used to driving to Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship. We get used to going to our small groups. We get used to listening to K-Love and Air One or the River or the Shine. Shout out. Do we just get used to it? Is he just a tradition or is he precious? Every time that we turn on the radio is our heart abundantly full of bringing honor and blessing to him. Every Sunday that we come in here to sing songs, whether we like them or don't like them, is our heart full to say, God, you are precious to me. And I don't like this song, but I'll sing my praises to you. Bum, 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 bum. Are we willing just to worship him no matter whether we can sing or not? That he is precious. Earlier in um, Second Peter or First Peter two, the chapter we're encouraged to crave uh, spiritual milk so that we can grow into mature Christians. Crave it, crave the word, crave spiritual things. And when we talk about cravings, you know what happens? When I have a craving, guess what? I usually go after it. Like, it could be 10.30 at night, and I'm in my, I'm in my, um, my bed clothing. I could think about pizza and crave it. And guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go buy it, or I'm going to order it. Or I can think about ice cream, and I get dressed, and I go get ice cream. Because I crave it. I could crave candy, and I buy it. We could crave Old Navy or new clothes, right? We go... um, We go get it. We go buy it. We go do it, right? Do you crave Christ? Because cravings, you usually, um, unless it's a bad craving, we're taught in Scripture to not go after our earthly desires, but do we really crave Christ? I believe that Peter is encouraging us while still speaking a hard truth. Many people say they crave Jesus with their lips, yet their actions in their heart are far from him. Is Jesus really precious to you? See, Jesus told a parable one time that describes how precious it is to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46 The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Everything he had sold it. Everything he had and bought it. You know what's interesting is um, there had to be a searcher. They had to be active. You don't find a field. You don't just stumble upon this treasure if you're sitting at home. You don't stumble upon these pearls by just sitting at home. But where do you stumble upon them? Seek. We have to be seekers of the kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And when, it, uh, and, a ma- and when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The man didn't, what's interesting is the man didn't sell his stuff in a disappointed way. We don't read in here, oh, shucks, I have to sell everything. This treasure was so precious to him, he said, I'll do it. Easy. 
I'll sell it. You want to know why? He knew that whatever he pays for that field, he won the deal. You realize that? Whatever he paid for that field, whatever he had to sell, he won the deal. Whatever you have to give up, whatever you have to surrender, whatever you have to endure, whatever friend you might lose, whatever person might not like you, whatever check you have to write, the treasure's worth it. The treasure is worth it. You won the deal. There's no greater deal than sins being forgiven and us being able to walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ forever. We won the deal. Best deal ever. The deal was so sweet, he did whatever it took to keep it. And this is where it becomes more difficult, though. Because there are so many things that try to steal our treasure. There's so many things that try to steal the kingdom from us. Stress of job, friends, work, sickness, death. Pressures. Worry, future, past, forgiveness, reconciliation. Fear, roller coasters, heights, finances, lusts, pleasures, loss, transition, desires, opinions. Everything tries to steal from us. Every day we hold on to these things and more. And because we hold on to them, we can never really sell everything. You want to know what? I'm telling you today, I'm putting a for sale sign up in my life. I'm not selling myself, but I'm selling everything that I hold on to. I'm selling my, my worry. I'm selling my desires. I'm selling my fears for sale. It's gone. I don't want it anymore. Sold. It is sold, Grace. That is right. I'm selling it all for sale. I don't want it anymore. You want to know why? It's stealing from the treasure. Stealing from the treasure. I don't want it anymore. All I want is the king. All I want is for Jesus to be precious in my life. And all these other things are stealing from it, and I don't want them anymore for sale. I give it all away, and I plant my flag with Christ. I walk into the house of Christ. It's not just limited to your possessions. This guy sold everything. I don't think the scripture is saying, go sell your house, go sell your car. Literally, just go buy a field and live in it. It's not what it's saying. But you know what? God might ask you to sell something. He might ask you to give something away. More practical things he might do is he might say, why don't you love your family well? Why don't you talk to someone in your community about me? So are you willing to sell your reputation? Are you willing to sell your discipline? Jesus is worth so much more than everything else that every and any loss endured to have more of him can be endured with joy. Why? Why can it be endured with joy? Because we've won the deal. You've won the deal. You have the best side. 
Paul gives us an example um, in a parable. Um, in Philippians 3, 7. I'm going to read it to you. Yet, um, yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, and this is not the parable, but this is the scripture. Yet all of the accomplishments that I took credit for, I now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embraced Embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. I'm going to read it one more time. Yet all of the accomplishments that I once took credit for, I have now forsaken them, and I regard it all as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. To truly know him meant letting go of everything from my past, and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now, so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. The sign of a child of Christ is not that we have attained everything or that we are perfect, but that we long for him. That the past is the past, that we let go of everything. That we hunger like spiritual babies. We hunger like babies for food. We hunger for the word. We hunger for spiritual authority. We hunger for fellowship. We hunger to lay down our lives. We hunger to surrender to him. This morning, did God direct your steps here or did you? I hope it was him. I think it's a good thing to show up here. But, but when you woke up, it's hard to ever even really make that distinction. But did he really direct your steps here or did you just do it because you've been doing it? We want him to direct your steps to direct your steps. No Christian should ever be satisfied with their current and present condition, right? No one should be ever um, satisfied with it. One of the challenges is, is we get these streaks going. Man, I read my Bible one week. I'm really good now. I can skip Monday. I'm really good now. I've read for two weeks. I can skip Wednesday. Well, the number one pick in the NFL draft should not be satisfied now that he's in the draft or now that he was drafted to the Browns. One, one, to get a second contract with the Browns, it's going to be really hard. So if he's satisfied... If John, uh, I was going to say Johnny Manziel, it's not Johnny Manziel. If Baker Mayfield is satisfied, he's not going to be able to be um, in the NFL in five years. If you, are sa if you become satisfied as a Christian, you're not going to get that surpassing revelation that you desire. You're not going to have that joy each day that you really require. You can't become satisfied with where you are. Now, becoming satisfied and contentment are two different things. We can be content, we can learn the secret of contentment, but yet still not be satisfied in knowing Him. We should live as hungry beings longing to consume more and more of God. Hungry beings. What are you hungry for today? Chipotle. No, I'm hungry for God. And I want, I want to get my fix. 
And you know what? The thing with God is you can't ever get enough. So why stop? God never loses value over time, right? But he only increases in our hearts because he is precious. He is precious. You know, when you talk to people who've been married for 50 years, they always say, I love my spouse more today than I did then. And it didn't mean that they didn't have rocky roads. That person is more precious to them today than they were 50 years before. Is Jesus that precious to you? Are you growing in your relationship to him? We mentioned China today. I asked someone once before, I said, would you be a Christian in the Middle East? Would you be a Christian in China? Hypothetically, God transports you to the Middle East right now. Would you be a Christian? All by yourself. No comfort of other peers. No comfort of Mechanics for Christian Fellowship. Would you be a Christian? Knowing that your life is on the line. Would you preach the good news in the Middle East? Would you preach the good news in China? Would you boldly walk as a Christian? Would you put, I'm a Christian, on your Facebook? Would you wear the cross on your neck? When I ask myself that question, it really ruffles some inner uh, turmoil within my heart, right? Because it's really easy to be a Christian here in the U.S. of A. It is. We come here, we're encouraged, we like each other, mostly. We understand that these people have a problem with these people because we've divided. So um, before we take communion, we need to reconcile. So we're going to have a big holy huddle. Would you be a Christian somewhere else in a foreign land? God never loses value. He's precious. The treasure of the kingdom of heaven that we can find it. We can find it as long as we search for it. And the thing that we search for simply is the best thing ever, which is Jesus Christ. But for the kingdom to be really the joyful place in your life, you must be willing to give God everything. Is God worth that? You've heard it a lot today. Is God worth giving everything to? I know that there's people in here today. This is important. When, when I wrote this line right here down, it was like God's presence was on it. I know that there's people in here today that are holding back. Period. Holding back. Rebelling. And it's not like you're intentionally, like, just intentionally running, but you just don't know how to get out of your funk. There's people in here today holding back. Is Christ really so precious to you? I'm talking to everyone. Is Christ so precious to you that you'll give him everything today? Again, give it to him again. Maybe you once gave him everything and it's like, I believe that you're saved, but it's like you, you brought some things back. Are you willing to take that stuff off and give it back to him today? Let's, uh, before we get there, let's continue in Matthew 13, for the sake of the scripture. And before, before we get there, what I want to share with you is this. Is as Christians, as people of faith, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have to be cautious of the illusion of safety through church things. That's important. We have to be cautious of the illusion, the deceit of safety through church things. 
You've heard me say it before. You'll hear me say it again because I'm about to say it right now. Matthew 7. Many people on that day will come to me and say, did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not deliver demons? And Jesus says, plainly I tell you, I never knew you. Just because you do church things doesn't mean Jesus knows you. Doesn't mean you get the card into eternity. I had a parent once in Piqua with the youth group. They called me on a Monday. We had youth group on Sunday night, and the parent called me, and they said, Joey, um, I have a concern. Okay, what is it? They said, my kid came home, and they asked me if they really knew Jesus. And I said, praise God. Praise God. And they're like, what do you mean, praise God? That's not supposed to be your response. Like, what do you mean? We're not supposed to be challenged. We're not supposed to have these moments where our, our um, safety, our salvation is, is um, sharpened. They said, well, I guess I didn't think about it that way. Praise God that your kid was coming home and questioning their faith. Praise God, MCF, if we leave here today and talk with our family about where we are in our faith. I need to give up more. I need to surrender more. I need to be here. Praise God. We can't live under the illusion of church things get us there. And here's why. Earlier, Matthew 7, it says, Narrow is the road and small is the gate that leads to true life in Jesus, and few people live on it. And then it says this, Many people live on the wide road and enter through the open gate that leads to true life in no, sorry, many people live on the wide road and enter through the open gate that leads to destruction. Many people live there. Many people. Don't you think that these people who were prophesying, delivering demons, and performing miracles, I'll be honest with you, those are actually three more powerful things that I've seen within this church in a while. I don't hear prophecy every week, right? I don't see miracles every week. I haven't seen a demon delivered here in a long time. Those are some real churchy things. It's just not singing how he loves us. Power. And Jesus says, plainly I tell you, I never knew you. We can't live under the illusion that church things get us to heaven but it's about the surrender in our heart. Jesus, you are so precious to me. You're everything to me. You are so worth it. You are worth it. You're worth more than my offering. You're worth more than my money. You're worth more than my friendships. Even if I have to be homeless, you're worth it. Because anything that I lose here, I've still won the deal. This is paralleled with um, Matthew 13. We're going to continue in Matthew 13, verse 47. Once again, Jesus' words. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in the basket, but threw the bad fish away. This is how it will be at the end of age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. These are Jesus' words, not mine. We have to make sure that Jesus is precious to us today, today. Why would you wait? There's people who are taking their last breaths in this moment. Many people, many people live on the wide road. Many people enter through the open gate that leads, King James Version, I believe, it says straight 
hell. Not destruction, hell. Few people experience the reality of who Jesus is and walk in a relationship with him. I want 100% here at the church. Every single face in this room, I want to be eating Chipotle with him in heaven. And you know what, Chipotle, I bet they have hothead sauce with Chipotle in heaven too. So, you know, that, that can really tear it up. Um, I got to make lighter this little bit. We have to make sure that Jesus is precious in our lives. That he is the one that we are following, period. Too often we can follow ourselves and think that we're following Christ. Don't be confused with simple church life. Ken, you, you guys can come on up. Where is your heart today? Where is your heart today? Do you need to surrender more? Again, I'm not asking you to be about works. I'm not asking you to go out and just say, well, I need to do more. No, it's not about doing more. I can buy Macy flowers every day. I can mow the grass every day. I can do the dishes every day. But my heart can still be far from her, right? She could rub my back every day, and that would solve a lot of the world's problems. Just saying. Her heart could still be far from me. So today, I want to ask you the question. Serious question. Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth selling everything you have? And I'm here to tell you, he is. Because anything you give up, you've won the deal. And you know what? That's the only time you win. That's the only deal you can win. Because the more you have, the more complicated things become. And if I can say, all I have is Jesus, you know what, here at MCF, I want us to become minimalists. That's the vision I'm casting, minimalists. One thing, we need one thing, Jesus Christ. Surrendering it all, even when it hurts. I bet you today when you leave here, something's gonna hit the fan. And it ain't going to be watery mist. Something's going to hit the fan. And it's going to get your focus off everything that you've heard today. It's going to get your focus off God's word. And then you're going to have to make the choice. Do I sell that or do I keep it? Do I sell the stuff that hit the fan? Do I give it to you, Christ, and continue to give you my heart? Or do I hold on to it? And I'm telling you, it's for sale. Lisa Yates has sold it for me. For sale. It's for sale. Don't want it anymore. You can have it. Free. Not even for sale. Take it. So I want to give you an opportunity today. Action leads to change. I want to give you the opportunity to respond at the altar and say, Jesus, you know what? I give you everything again. You can have it all. I don't want it anymore. Take it. Take it all from me. I'm tired of this. Take it all. Is, is Jesus worth it? Here's a, and look, I'm not, uh, I'm very young, but I'm not naive. Just because you respond at the altar doesn't mean anything. It's your heart. But is Jesus worth the humility? 
in the midst of your Christian friends. And, and I have to share this real quick. How crazy is it that within the church, within the church, we never feel safe to respond at the altar? This is with Christian brothers and sisters. If someone ever makes fun of you or talks about you for responding at the altar, you will see a side of me that you've never seen before because I don't have time for that. None. Whatsoever. And you know what? If someone even confesses a sin and you hear it from the third row or the fourth row, if you talk about that, I have a problem with that because you're a sinner too. If we start making fun of people for this should be the safest place every week there's things that we hold on to that we should be responding up here at the altar laying it down to Christ and we should be crying because we saw this person see this person respond and we're like praise God this person over here is laying it down this should be the safest place to respond and get right with God if we want to change the world, if we want to change Mechanicsburg, if we want to see our lives change, then we need to take action. We need to renew our minds, and we need to come up, and we need to respond, and we say, I give you everything. Because you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. Maybe you don't even feel the message today. Maybe you're annoyed by me. Maybe you're annoyed by the music. But maybe in principle you say, God, I don't need it, but I just want to say I surrender more to you. Maybe just you need to respond in principle today. As a declaration to your friends, to your family members, I'm responding to you just as a simple declaration of surrender. He's worth it. Through everything that we go through, he's worth it. take the opportunity today say Jesus you are precious to me you are precious to me I want to surrender everything I have to you I want you to lead me I want you to guide me I want you to help me help me get back on the path that you've called me to See, the Christian life isn't about being perfect, but it's always coming back to that center place of Christ. And for many of us today, it's about coming back to that center focus of Christ. It's not that you're surrendering for the first time, but it's saying, God, I've been here. I've been a few, I've been a few beaten paths off. Get me back. I'm recentered. I'm here. God, get us back on the path today. I'm going to pray. And then I want you guys to, in an undignified way, make a declaration over your life or a heartfelt decision to give God everything that you have and respond at the altar. And then you know what? After you're done having your moment with God, don't be afraid to pray for someone else up here as well. We need to encourage and sharpen brothers and sisters. So after you're done with your moment, you stick your hand on someone. You don't need to pray out loud, but you stick your hand on, on someone and you say, God, I'll pray that they would just surrender everything. That you would help Sister Grace in her endeavors. Let's pray. God, those who believe you are precious. To those who believe, you are this precious stone. God, you are precious. Help us, help us, God. Value you and see you as precious. I pray that we make this declaration today, that you would literally uh, transform us today, that you would break these chains today, God, to set us free, to see the world differently. God, I pray for miracles up here set us free, and that we'd give you everything. In Jesus' name, amen. So you guys start responding. We're going to sing this song, and we're going to start responding. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run. Let the King of 
you guys stay up here. Don't worry about leaving. I'm going to pray that we can be dismissed. So, God, we just thank you for today. I pray for greater surrender and that you would become precious to us. God, I pray that uh, you would set us on a new trajectory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. You guys are dismissed. You guys continue to receive prayer.